You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Six Nights by Incidental on AO3 The first time went like this. It was the fire starter case, the one through which Scully had met his old flame Phoebe. They were still feeling around each other's edges then, just starting to realize how fast and deep their bond had already grown. It was in the hotel, and he was lying in bed in his underwear, asleep, still a little clammy and pale from the smoke inhalation. She sat next to him on top of the bedspread, and though she knew he was fine, the paramedics had cleared him earlier. She held his limp wrist in her hand and counted his pulse between her fingers. She was still counting when his eyes fluttered open. "'Hey,' she whispered, releasing his wrist but letting her hand linger beside him. He started to speak, but fell into a coughing fit, and she handed him his water. They exchanged a few questions and answers, and then he got up and began to dress. That was the first time they were in bed together. Inconsequential though it was, but that was it, the start of it, and while the word love wouldn't have crossed her mind yet, the seed was planted.' The second time wasn't until the following year. She had been rescued from Donnie Faster's house of horrors, and when they got back to the hotel, Mulder left her in her room alone only after asking multiple times over if she needed anything from him. She'd said no, insisted she was fine, and after her little crying jag, she thought she'd meant it in earnest. I'll be in the next room over, he reminded her, and I'll leave the door between them unlocked in case you need me. I'm fine, Mulder, she repeated, a little irked but also deeply touched by his concern. However, it hadn't been all that long ago that she'd returned from her abduction, and she didn't want Mulder getting the idea that she needed to be handled with kid gloves. He nodded and bid her good night and closed the door, though as promised, without locking it. But not long after she fell asleep, Mulder heard a scream through the wall between their adjoining rooms. He hit the ground with a thud, rolling out of bed so fast he couldn't get his feet properly beneath him at first and threw the door open between their rooms. The room was dark, but in the light cast from his room, he could see the shadow of her sitting up in the middle of the bed, face in her hands. "'What's wrong?' he asked, rushing to her side and clicking the lamp on. She continued to hide her face, shaking her head behind her hands. "'Nightmare,' he heard her muffled voice say, and though he could not see her face clearly, he suspected she was crying again. He climbed gingerly into bed beside her and reached out for her, And though she could not see him, she could feel his weight and leaned into it. He held her and stroked her hair comfortingly until her breathing became deeper and more regular again. Do you want me to go? He finally asked, after a long period of quiet had passed. She gave her head a small shake. Can you stay? She asked. So quietly, he wasn't entirely convinced he hadn't imagined it. Sure, he said stretching out on top of the bedspread and leaning his head back against the headboard. I'll be right here. She smiled in gratitude and settled under the covers. He turned off the light and in the darkness felt her hand reach out for him. He took it in his and held on. They slept like that all night, him sitting up on top of the blankets, a perfect gentleman, her holding on to him like a life raft. That was the second time. The third time was maybe eight months later, after Melissa's murder. She couldn't go back to her apartment. Not yet. The carpet wasn't even clean yet. Mulder offered her his couch, which she graciously accepted, before getting there and finding out he did not own a bed. How do you not have a bed, Mulder? She asked incredulously. 
All the time she'd been in his apartment, sat at his table, fed his fish, she'd never once peeked into his bedroom. She just never had a reason to. If I sleep on the couch, where are you going to sleep? The floor is fine for me, he said. It's just like camping. I love camping. She scowled at him, but was too tired and emotionally wrung out to argue about it. He draped a quilt over her and bent down to kiss her cheek, but at that precise moment, she turned to look at him, and his lips just barely grazed hers. Sorry, he grunted, clearing his throat awkwardly, and in the dim light of the fish tank, she could see his face flush. Good night. Good night, Mulder, she responded. I'll be right here if you need me, he said, stretching out on the floor just in front of the couch, his head resting on his rolled-up New York Knicks sweater. Thanks, she whispered in the dark. She reached down and took his hand in hers, bringing it up to her and pressing her lips briefly against his knuckles. He was thoroughly glad she couldn't see his face clearly, because if he had been blushing before, it was nothing compared to the color he was now. He stayed awake for a long while after that, listening to the sound of her breath and the gurgle of the fish tank filter. Eventually, and much faster than usual, he drifted off. That was the third time. The fourth time didn't happen until the end of 1996. Mulder had shot the serial killer John Lee Roche earlier that afternoon, and while the little girl he abducted was recovered without injury, Scully could tell that Mulder was still deep in a guilt hole about it having happened at all. They went back to their separate rooms, having decided to return to D.C. the following day. After showering and changing into her pajamas, Scully was about to turn out the lights when a little voice told her she should go check on him before bed. It's unlocked, he called out after she rapped gently on the door. He was in bed in boxers and a t-shirt, staring up at the ceiling with a dour look on his face. Hey, she said, letting herself in and closing the door behind her. I just wanted to check in and see how you were doing. I'm fine, he said, but there was something peculiar about the way he said it. Scully cast a look around the room and noticed a handful of empty minibar bottles on the ground by the bed. Have you been drinking? she asked, a little incredulous. It was extremely unlike him to drink on assignment. Oh, a little, he said, not bothering to hide it. Figured I'd get a head start on blotting out this horrible experience. He turned to face her and she could tell by the unfixed look in his eyes that he hadn't just been drinking. He was drunk. Mulder, she said, half admonishingly, half pityingly. She climbed up onto his bed and lay on her side, facing him, head propped up on her arm. Scully, he responded, not angrily, squinting up at her like she was the sun. You got him back. You saved that little girl's life. A life that wouldn't have been in danger if I hadn't taken him out on a field trip in the first place, he corrected. She sighed, reaching out across the bed to him and brushing his hair out of his face. Well, maybe not, she admitted, but even still, you did good work on this case. Don't beat yourself up over it. He didn't have anything to say in response to that. So he just shook his head and lay flat on his back again, gazing up at the ceiling with a scowl. She heaved a sigh and scooted closer, sitting up next to him and patting her lap gently with one hand. Come here, she said, and he didn't need convincing. He rested his head on her lap and draped his arm across her legs, his fingers toying with the material of her pajama pants. She stroked his hair and scratched his scalp gently. He closed his eyes and sighed. They lay there like that for so long that Scully was sure he had fallen asleep, but when she started to shift underneath him, he murmured, Don't go. She was quiet and still for a moment, then said, Okay. She scooted down until she was lying flat, 
and Mulder rolled and squirmed until he was flush with her, face to face, eyes now clear and fixed on hers. They were so close, the tips of their noses only a hair apart, and she wondered if he might kiss her. Hoped he might, maybe, if she was being honest with herself. But he didn't. They just breathed together, feeling their hot breath mingle between them. Eventually he closed his eyes, and she closed hers, and when she woke up, his arms were around her, and she had reached one hand up the back of his t-shirt, palm pressed against his warm, bare skin. That was the fourth time. The fifth time was only two months later, after her cancer diagnosis. She came home from the hospital after her initial treatment, determined but weak, still feeling shaky and nauseous. It would be a few days, they said, before the effects of the initial chemo treatment would subside completely. Mulder put away her overnight bag and set her up in bed, brought her a glass of water, and promised to be in the living room on her couch if she needed anything. She was profoundly grateful for his continued presence. She didn't want to admit it, but she wasn't ready to be alone just yet. The revelation about Dr. Scanlon had deeply shaken her, as a patient and also as a doctor. He flicked off the bedroom light as he left, and she fell almost immediately into a feverish sleep. An hour later, she awoke hot and overwhelmingly nauseous and barely made it to the bathroom in time. She rinsed her face in the sink, and when she looked up at her reflection, she saw Mulder in the glass behind her, standing in the doorway, brown-knit with concern. "'Are you okay?' he asked. "'Can I do anything?' "'It'll pass,' she said, shaking her head. "'The effects of the chemo will take a few more days to wear off.' He put his arm gently around her and walked her back to her bed, easing her in and tucking the blankets around her. I'm okay, she chuckled. Really? But undeterred, he climbed into bed right along with her, reaching around her and bringing her close. She was still trembling from the wave of sickness that had engulfed her, and he ran his fingers through her hair, smoothing it away from her face. She fell back asleep, then was up again, over and over, throughout the night, each time he rose with her, helped her back into bed, stroked her hair and face, and wiped the occasional tears. He did so unflinchingly. You don't have to do this, she reminded him after the fourth or fifth trip back and forth. I'm not doing it because I have to, he said. I'm doing it because I love. He stopped abruptly, but it was too little too late. She looked up at him, open shock across her pale face. He blushed intensely, but she didn't. She just took his hand as he walked her back to bed. And when he bent over to smooth her blankets, she leaned towards him and kissed him gently, tenderly, on the lips. He returned the kiss, just for a moment, then got back in bed beside her and rubbed her back until she fell asleep. That was the fifth time. The sixth time, she had just been discharged from the hospital after her miraculous remission a week prior. They had decided to go out to celebrate, and over the course of the evening had gotten fairly blasted. Around 1.30, Skinner poured the two of them into the back of a cab and looked down his nose at them with a mix of apprehension and reluctant acceptance as the door shut and they pulled away. They stumbled through her front door in a fit of laughter, and after taking her coat off and dropping it unceremoniously on the floor, she pointed to Mulder and said, "'You need a glass of water.' "'Me? I'm fine,' he said unconvincingly. "'You're the one who is drunk, Miss Dr. Scully.' "'I never,' she said, struggling to keep a straight face." You're going to be hurting in the morning, though, if you don't take some aspirin and a glass of water now. It is morning, he corrected, pointing at the clock on the cable box. Shut up, she said, approaching him with a glass of water and two aspirin. He wasn't quite drunk enough to think arguing with her would do any good at all, so he took them without further discussion. 
and they sat together on the couch, drinking their water in silence. Hey, Mulder, she said after she set down her empty water cup. I have a confession to make. What? Um, first, how drunk are you? Not terribly, he said, tilting his head slightly. Not so drunk I won't remember this conversation tomorrow. Okay, she said, taking a breath, and then turning to face him on the couch, legs crossed. He mimicked her actions, which was considerably more difficult given his legs were twice as long as hers, but he did it. She took his hands in hers and looked him in the eye. What? he asked, after she didn't speak for almost thirty seconds. Okay, she said, stealing herself. All right, my confession is, I'm kind of, um, a little mad at you. Wait, what? Yeah, she said and started laughing. Seriously. Why? he asked, incredulous. Because I almost died. I know, he said, looking confused. I was there. No, 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 she said, shaking her head. I almost died, Mulder, and you didn't... Oh, maybe this isn't such a good idea, she said, and stood up suddenly from the couch. Wait, what? He got up and followed after her as she disappeared into the bedroom. Scully, come back. You can't just tell me you're mad at me and then not tell me why. He caught up to her and grabbed her hand, pulling her back and turning her around. Talk to me. I'm just, she started saying again, trying to marshal her thoughts in a coherent way, but struggling against the drunkenness. She suddenly felt a little too inebriated for this conversation, but it was too late to turn back now. I'm mad because I almost died, and you almost let me die without telling me. Telling you what? he asked, though suddenly the intelligent part of his brain was starting to wake up and put the pieces together through the alcohol haze. Oh. Oh. Yeah, she finished lamely, dropping her arms to her side. That's it. I don't know. I shouldn't have said anything, but... If I didn't say it now, I would never have had the courage to. I see, he admitted, feeling supremely stupid and ashamed of himself. Forget it. Forget I said anything about it, she said, sitting down at the foot of her bed and resolutely avoiding his gaze. I don't think I can do that, Scully, Mulder said slowly, sitting down next to her. She covered her face in her hands and groaned, embarrassed. I knew this was a mistake, she said. I'm sorry. Please, don't be sorry, he said and he wrapped his hands around her wrists and gently pulled her hands away from her face. She was bright red and looked thoroughly miserable, refusing to meet his gaze. I'm the one who should be sorry. No, Mulder, you shouldn't be. You didn't do anything wrong. If you don't feel it, you don't feel it, and you can't... But whatever rambling thought she was trying to complete was cut off by him grabbing her face and kissing her hard on the mouth. When he pulled back, her eyes were wide with shock. Oh, was all she said at first. She touched her lips in an absent-minded way and began to smile. I love you, Dana Scully, he said. I love you, and I didn't want to tell you that for the first time when you were dying, because I was afraid you'd think I didn't mean it. I didn't really want to tell you that for the first time when I was drunk, either. But maybe if I don't say it now, I'll never have enough nerve to. So there it is. They stared at each other for a long, drawn-out moment, neither of them saying anything yet. The tension had been magically transferred between them, so that now Mulder looked scared for his life. Scully scooted towards him until their knees were touching, then leaned in and kissed him again, this one gentle and slow and whisper-soft. "'I love you, too,' she finally returned, "'and I have for a long time. I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner. I realized a few days ago that I almost went to my grave, not having told you that, 
which I think would have been a real tragedy. The rest of the evening was mostly a blur, nothing really falling into clear focus after that. They fell asleep in a tangle of limbs, and when Scully awoke the next morning, it was to Mulder, simply watching her sleep. Morning, he said, leaning down to kiss her. How'd you sleep? Good, she said, propping herself up against the pillows, shoulder to shoulder with him. You? Never better, he said, with a smile that faltered for a moment before he asked. Do you regret anything? She shook her head. No, she said. You? No, he echoed, grabbing one of her hands gently and lacing his fingers through hers. The only thing I regret is waiting so long. Me too, she agreed, and that was the sixth time, which was by no means the last time. It was, in fact, just the beginning. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.